Welcome to the Brand Builder Show, another episode for you today. This is going to be uh, a great episode. I'd probably say that every time, but this is going to be a really great episode. Fascinating for me because uh, we are talking to Ryan Clark from Westbound Logistics, and he has founded this logistics company and have uh, you know really built that over a number of years and has f- fantastic insight into the world of global logistics. And the world of supply chain global logistics over the last couple of years has been a pretty crazy one. And so being able to talk to him and ask him about uh, how the whole process works I think will be really insightful for you if you're a new seller new to this industry it will give you a lot of understanding about the end-to-end process of getting your products from your supplier to your uh, Amazon warehouse or third-party logistics warehouse and uh, also just around the whole aspect of prices Uh, everyone knows that the world of shipping has gone up in price and uh, you know to be able to talk about that what the market looks like moving forward for me was I think really healthy conversation, so I'm sure you'll enjoy it too. So uh, without further ado, let's jump into this conversation with Ryan Clark from Westbound. Awesome. Well, great to have Ryan on the show today with us. Ryan is one of the co-owners, co-founders of Westbound Global Logistics. Ryan, great to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me. It's an exciting time uh, in the world of shipping. Uh, Well, exciting is probably the wrong word, but it's uh, a wild time in the world of shipping. So I thought it'd be great to get you on and talk about just the uh, the craziness of what's going on and what the future holds and how sellers can try and optimize their their shipping process. So uh, we'll dive into that in a minute. Before we do that, just tell us a little bit about yourself. For those people that don't know you, probably the two Amazon sellers in the world that haven't seen you in the Amazon FBA groups on Facebook. Um, Tell us a bit about yourself. Um, yeah, so a kind intro there. Um, I'm one of the owners of Westbound Logistics Services. Um, we started in, in the UK, um, privately owned business in 2009. Um, we, hence the name Westbound, we, we do specialize in uh, goods moving from the east to the west. Mm-hmm. We run our own services by Sea Freight LCL, which is less than container loads, um, every week from every main port in China uh, to the UK and USA. In 2016, we opened up our very own British-owned offices in China as well, which is quite rare and unique Mm. for a British company to do that. Most people shy away from it, but um, we did that, took the step, and um, never looked back from there as well. Yeah, yeah, so we're we're, we're heavily involved in in that market of of importing uh, products for uh, numerous amounts of businesses in different sectors as well, so high street normal retail, um, wholesale, wholesale businesses, um, but predominantly in the, we've seen a big rise in e-commerce in general, um, but especially Amazon sellers as well, because it's so accessible and exciting to some, as you'll know, Ben, mm-hmm. uh, for people to get into. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, I first got involved in, in, in this area probably four years ago, maybe yeah. roughly around then. Uh-huh. Um, just, just, almost by accident, scouring different pages that I found interesting on, on Facebook and uh, and actually seeing some poor advice mm. from, from a lot of people. Um, some sellers passing on information that they thought was correct and and some other people um, calling themselves freight forwarders. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and I just thought, oh my God, I, I, I'm, I, I obviously have a, a bit of a, an entrepreneur background myself um hence the reason why anyone would want to set out on their own and i like seeing other people do well and, and make mm-hmm. a success of themselves so it was one of those moments where i just couldn't sit back and, and 
and, and watch people possibly take a wrong turn and, and logistics in my opinion is one of the fundamental things to get right to get it wrong mm, for sure you can not be profitable and you yeah. can fail definitely yeah no for sure and i'd love to dig into that sort of the your approach to it uh, just for a little bit um, because i think it's really interesting just by the way for the record anybody listening that can hear a, a jackhammer Somebody decided to dig up the road outside my house just as we started recording. So hopefully it doesn't come through too much, but uh, apologies if it does. Uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, talk to us a bit about Westbound because it's actually how I found you was on Facebook a few years ago because I'd uh, when I started selling on Amazon, I just started using a Chinese forwarder. It was just, you know, that was all I knew and it was like the easiest option. Seems like a lot of people were doing it. And then I found yeah, you guys yeah. and the way you operated was, you know, to me, so much more professional, the communication, the breakdown of how everything works. Like, you guys helped me learn about shipping and logistics as a seller whereas before just they you know a chinese forwarder would just say it's going to be x amount of thousands and it's done whereas you guys yeah. kind of guided us through the process and i find that super helpful um you talked about having offices in china like what is it about all of that and the way you operate that's maybe different to uh, freight forwarders that a lot of people are using um well i think it's a good question because sometimes i've, I've answered this I've tried to answer that question on, online in text, and and I'm always a bit concerned that it comes across the wrong way because the, you know, I don't want to I don't want to knock the Chinese and and sort of, mm. you know ring fence the whole of China and say yeah, oh, you yeah, know, don't yeah. use those they're rubbish. But um, as a nation, they're very very good uh, yeah. at what they do, and um, but the reason why somebody like us, not just us, but somebody like us that operates their own service at the destination, whether it's the UK you're you're importing into or, or the US. Um, mainland Europe, we're actually going to be, there, there isn't, oh, I can't think of one single Chinese forwarder that operates their own service. And the reason why that is, is because the market is predominantly FOB. Um, mm. It's all about the INCO terms. So if you imagine um, most people in the UK are agreeing FOB terms with the supplier, that means the decision maker for that freight is in the UK. So then you've got salespeople going around on the road in China and you've got salespeople for a forwarder in the UK. The decision makers are here. So then a freight forwarder here is going to be able to build up enough customer base, get them on board to support their company, and then therefore get enough cargo week in, week out, which takes years. So mm -hmm. It takes years to, to build up so many. It's basically like having a, a cardboard box that you want to send from one destination to another and you need enough envelopes to fill it otherwise it's yeah. not going to pay you yeah exactly the same but a container and pallets and bigger yeah. boxes so unless you've got that amount of people committing to you from every single port you're never going to run that service so what the, the chinese do is subcontract it to somebody like us um you know but the trouble is it's not going to come straight to us it's going to go to another Chinese company out there that's going to say, yeah, we we operate weekly out of Shanghai to Felixstowe. Um, this is our rates. Come and use us. They'll take that booking, say from you, Ben, for, mm -hmm. for example. Um, your cargo would get booked from your supplier to a Chinese forwarder, that Chinese forwarder possibly to another one. And then eventually it will find somebody like our China office or back in the day before 2016, a partner that we worked with. Mm -hmm. And then they would represent us, the actual end operate, operator of, of that service, and it would get booked. So when you compare the services, what you probably would have found previously, just ask a simple question, um, has it left yet? Mm. And I don't know, how long did that take you for, to get an answer? Overnight, 48 hours? Uh, mm. It's things like that where we can tap into our system and go, yes, yeah, left. Mm. 
and or you won't you won't need to ask because when you get a notice of arrival from us or a confirmation of booking we've got our own bespoke built system where it's got a link to tracking and you can actually click it and see you know a google map pop up with a little blue westbound ship and you can actually see exactly where it is by gps so that just falls in line with where we're going now you know e-commerce businesses like yourself you yeah. you know you, you're probably working through the night like everybody else you know <laughs> uh, and it, when when people are starting out that aren't aren't fully um you know full time yet um you, you want answers quickly and you want it out of hours so we we try to we try to help that uh, that that's really the difference between the two um yeah. it's not that they're they're bad they're bad at their job or it's just that they can't give you the same service if they're not actually in control of it all yeah yeah no for sure and you mentioned that you have your own LCL service. So does that mean that you yeah. uh, work with someone that, that moves a container each week and you have a portion of that container? Or how, how does that just for, I just find it fascinating how it all, you know, the end-to-end process of how it works. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's not that <laughs> it's not that exciting, but I suppose when, when you don't know. Um, so if if you had enough cargo to, to, to load a full container, you'd, mm. you'd, you'd book a full container. That's yeah. referred to in the, in the industry as an FCL. Yep. So full container load. The LCL is we're actually doing exactly the same as booking an FCL in the background. So we would commit to that, mm-hmm. whether we fill it or not. That's our gamble and that's our risk. And and kind of stepping back to the previous um, conversation that we started with, you can only do that if you're really confident that mm-hmm. you you have enough customers every yeah. week, week in, week out, every port. So we do that. We book at least two to three containers every week, forty foot high cubes. Um, Shanghai, Ningbo, Shenzhen, Qingdao are the main four. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're in position. We will we will send our our trucker to go and get the empty container from the port, bring it to our warehouse, and all throughout the week we're we're we're, we're loading up LCL um, until it gets to a certain point. Right, we're we're on 58, 62 cubic meters. Mm-hmm. That's one done. The next lot's coming in, and and on load day we literally load those containers up. We manifest it all. It all goes through customs, export, declarations. Mm-hmm. Doors are shut. Seal goes on. That seal goes on our bill of lading, and and that's it. That is our LCL consolidation. So it's it's that container as a whole is completely down to westbound. We've booked it. We mm-hmm. we are in control of it. Yeah. We are the last persons to close those doors, and we're the next persons to open them as soon as they arrive in the Felix Day. Yeah, yeah. That's that's again um, describing what. Your, your own service looks like mm-hmm. as a freight forwarder um more chance of finding one of those in the uk than yeah. than china yeah yeah for sure for sure and then from like an fob perspective so if anybody's listening they're kind of new to the whole process fob your supplier would uh, you know be responsible for getting it on the boat at what point do you guys communicate exchange take over how does that work yeah, that's that's another uh, a really good point. Actually, inco terms are, are, are so confusing to people when when starting out and mm. and, and what it actually means. Um, and I've got to, the easiest way to describe it is 99.9% of the time, if if you booked a, a shipment with us and it was X works, mm-hmm. we well, we will pick it up. We're going to pick it up straight from the start. But if you book it FOB, 99.9%, we're still going to pick it up. We're still going to pick it up from your factory and be in control of that shipment from day one. The difference of what the inco terms means is who's paying for that each section. So, so let's run for an example. You 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 book five pallets with us, FOB, Shanghai. 
our office out there would get the, the, the booking form from us in the UK. Um, we'd, we'd load it in the system and it would just come through automatically the other side. They get the details, um, especially if it's not the first job, they know your supplier by now, they know who to call. They'll call your, your colleague John in Shanghai and say, right, we've got another shipment for, uh, for Ben, it's five pallets, when's it ready? They discuss it all locally. They saw all that, they do all the correspondence for you, um, checking on whether it tallies up with your ready data when you think it's ready. Yeah. Um, we uh, will arrange to pick that up, but, but because it's FOB, your supplier's got the choice to say, actually, no, um, I don't want to pay you for, for getting it to you. I've actually got my own truck. I'm mm -hmm. going to bring it to you. And that's the difference. So as FOB, the supplier has the option to do that element themselves. If they choose to use us, then they're going to pay us for that, not you. Yeah, yeah. So that's what that's what INCO terms are. Is It's describing who pays for what part of the shipping and where. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. And it's similar, same process, whether it's going to the UK, America, mainland Europe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and a lot of people make the mistake as well of um, where that is so confusing at the start is they come onto a, uh, a freight forwarder or a shipping company and say, can I have a DDP quote? That, that's in, that terminology is actually impossible to do because because a freight forwarder doesn't make the terms you do with your supplier. Mm -hmm. So there's no such thing as asking a forwarder at destination for a DDP quote, because that means you're buying the goods delivered duty paid, but therefore I'm not needed because mm -hmm. you've just bought the goods. If you're, if you're true INCO terms are DDP, that means you don't need to be talking to us because you've, you've already paid a certain amount within your commercial invoice value for those wall brackets or whatever you're bringing in you know, that's been inflated by 50 cents each to cover the shipping and the duty and the, so the, the supplier is mm -hmm. taking care of it you're not in control yeah but let, i think what what people mean is uh, what they probably mean is okay i'm buying fob so i'd like a shipping price to include everything to do that's yeah, I think people may. But but let's talk about that though, because people do, especially new sellers, they can fall into that trap of of DDP, and, and what that looks like. People think, yeah. especially you know VAT duties, all that kind of stuff. It's so murky. Clear it up for us. You know, someone orders some products from China, DDP, and it's you know it includes VAT apparently, all that kind of stuff. What's the situation there? It's it's something that we advise against mm -hmm. um, for a very good reason. Um, and there might be people watching going, of course you would, you're a freight forwarder, so you want the business. Yeah, there is that. But if if I retired tomorrow, I'd probably still jump on Facebook and tell people, don't do that. Use our rivals, then I'll give you, I'll give you, <laughs> I'll give you a name. Just do not book DDP. And, and um, that is because, let's go to the wall bracket scenario. You're buying a container or five pallets of, of wall brackets or glass jars. Um, Instead of one dollar each, you're going to pay one dollar fifty each. As an example, that that extra fifty cents is your supplier taking the extra margin to pay their chosen freight forwarder, and they're going to instruct them of what to declare to the local customs in the UK. They're not going to ninety-nine percent. They're not going to do that. Yeah. They're, they're going to instead of in, instead of you, you know, that's five thousand dollars worth of of jars. They're going to declare it as 1000 and they're not going to pay the, the correct duty. Um, and you think, well, that's their problem. It's not my problem. It is. Mm. It's, it's a yeah. real messed up situation, but you're the importer. 
and the purchaser of those goods and customs deem you responsible. And no matter what anyone says, you've got, that can't be right. It is right. <laughs> We've seen it and I've warned against it. And it's the same in US in every country. So customs can come back to you up to six years later and uncover nightmare scenarios like that and say, you have been in control of this shipment. You was the importer, um, even though it was DDP, and you didn't make sure in follow-up that that has been the correct amount declared to us therefore you owe us the difference and there's a fine as well so we have a, a, a real um, good blue chip customer mm -hmm. um, that ships to the uk and the us with us they know what they do i mean they are they've they've gone from i can't name the name but they've they've gone in the last five years to the forbes 100 um, list wow. um, for one of the fastest um, they're amazon seller as well but they started just on e-commerce, but they, they then moved into Amazon and that just doubled and almost tripled their turnover. They're, they're up wow. to, uh, last year there was 55 million turnover. They're going for 85 now. Wow. I mean, they're, they're just nonstop. Um, and I could touch on that later if you want. For yeah, yeah, some of some of their Some yeah. of their, their philosophies that they feed back to us of why they're successful in Amazon. But mm. um, where's the name of that? Uh, oh yeah, the, the the DDP. So they know what they're doing. They they ship FOB all the time, just like every other high street retail major successful store does. But they had smaller smaller actual parcel sizes that we we didn't we didn't get involved with. We don't need to. So they they'll book it with a supplier. It all went DDP, but they moved so many of them. They got fifty thousand dollar fine and uh, repayments of I think it was one million one million US dollars. I've got I've got a screenshot. If you go back far enough on on our Facebook uh, Facebook page on Westbound Logistics, you'll find it. Um, I'll try and dig it out for you if you want, but yeah, yeah, I've, no. I've covered their name up and I've shared it for people. Look, this this is what can happen. Crazy. Um, but it's not just that risk. Uh, DDP terms. It's yeah, it, it's the big sort of scary part of of, of having something misdeclared when you're responsible. But it's also you're not actually in control. Yeah. You don't own. You don't. You don't legally own those goods until until it passes to you, and that's what yeah. Inco terms do as well. It says who's responsible for these goods at what point, not just the money. In terms of, of of paying for it, so um, it's probably more. This is probably more sort of scary and realistic in the in the sea freight and air freight world rather than a, a smaller parcel. So the risk grows. So if you've got a full container load and you're moving it DUP. Um, people do. They, they do do that because they do, it's easier, and they know what they're doing. They, they move thousands. Of my supplier. You know, people convince themselves that their supplier is the best freight forwarder in the world. Hmm. Um, but what can happen, and we've seen happen, that people don't really uh, fathom this uh, this risk is, let's say that your supplier is now the customer of the shipping line, or, or another freight forwarder. Um, your supplier hasn't paid the bill maybe in this scenario to the freight forwarder um, and your supplier gets into financial trouble and they go bust those goods that you paid for are not legally yours yet yeah. on on ddp terms because it hasn't transferred into your ownership at arrival mm -hmm. on delivery so with 30 40 45 days on the water that is a risk because if mm -hmm. something happens to your supplier in in that period Lots of people are going to come in and take uh, a lien, which is L-I-E-N. Um, they're going to take a lien on your goods legally, which they can do, 
as salvage because mm -hmm. they're not yours, they're the suppliers. That supplier owes them money, they're going to take that and they're going to salvage them somewhere. And all of a sudden you'll think, well, you know, that's that's not right. It's going to probably cost you the value of those goods to legally untangle that and get your money back. So either way, you've lost. Mm. And that, that does happen. Yeah, so that's, that's a big scary. risk factor. For me, if I wasn't in this business knowing what I know now from this side of the fence, if I was importing, I would never, ever touch DDP with a barge pole. Mm. I just think mm. I'd... I've, I've bought those goods from Shanghai. I want them legally mined from the minute they leave that premises. That's what I was yeah. aiming for. Yeah, yeah, which is FOB. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. FOB or, or XWorks, but XWorks, yeah. you can negotiate better as FOB because you, yeah. you, you, are a, you should be a valuable customer to your supplier in China. And the difference between XWorks, XWorks is black and white. You're paying for it from, from the door. But yeah. FOB, you've got a little small window there of where they will uplift your price per per, per skew yeah. slightly, yeah. but normally it's in your favour. So they'll take a guess. They'll go, oh, yeah. we, we we know what the the rough charges are. We'll build that in. Uh, and sometimes if they've got their own vehicles, they can save a bit of money, so it is better. Yeah. Uh, and, and plus it's less time for an importer to worry about quotes. So, mm -hmm. for instance, for us, we can is issue a tariff that's nice and easy, FOB to door, all in. Mm -hmm. that is, and, and, you know, you go on our system, it's like a mortgage tracker. As soon as the rate change, so does our rates. And they automatically ping out to every customer. You never have to contact us for rates um, to, to, to check what's this one, what's that one, because we don't have to go out to China and say, what's the trucking for, the, you know, this time it's 100 kilos more, what's the difference, what's the zip yeah. code? Just it's so much, much more efficient. So that's the way to go. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. You, you mentioned that big brand. I would love to hear more about that as much as you obviously can. But, um, you, you know, in terms of, yes, what you've said, they fed back to you, but also their their logistics strategy. Like what, what are some things that they're doing at that scale? Firstly, just out of interest, because there may not be many people listening that would in, implement maybe some of the strategies. But just out of interest, like what, what does that look like? Do they, you know, is it like several shipments a week, full container loads? How are they doing that? But, yeah, also their strategies and stuff. Talk to us a bit uh, that you've, you've gleaned from them. Well, when I get the, the chance to go into depth, um, and again, it's not like this, but not really so much on text because it would just be too mind-boggling, I think, for people to, to read through. But this is actually what I base it on this customer and, and what I've learned. So I, you could you could teach me everything that I would possibly need to know about selling on Amazon. Um, but, but freight wise, from what they've told us from their side, it, it totally makes sense. So I, I, I understand in from, from in your world, Ben, going out of stock is disastrous, right? Yeah. Um, that's what they said to us. That mm. is the, for them, that's the biggest no-no because their ranking just gets uh, annihilated. So it takes them years, months and years to get where they've got a number one position in all their SKUs um, and they must never ever, at, at all costs, even if they had to air freight something over, never go out of stock because mm -hmm. that's what they believe is got them their success. So off the back of that, their logistics plan is to help them never going out of stock. They've got, um, you know, whether you're starting small, which you should, um, and, and build up, the strategy is still the same. Ship from China to uh, to destination, but say more so now. There's there's restrictions on what's allowed in Amazon. Whatever well, always bought in much much more than what Amazon could ever cope with. Um, even if they were allowed to store more in there, they wouldn't because you know our free PL in both UK and Los Angeles 
actually charges less rent than Amazon anyway. Mm. So they've always used us as a as a as a pit stop. So um, this works for other free PLs as well. It's not an advert for Westbound. Um, whatever you know, if, if you if somebody adopts this strategy, it's a good one. So find a free PL, ideally a, a forwarder that's offering both, because that way your you, your goods don't have to transition and get an extra delivery charge out before it comes back in. So we would unpack the container in, in the center where we store it for them. We've got about 4,000 pallets uh, for these guys, just uh, hundreds of SKUs stored. And then they call it off from there. So when they go low in Amazon, they call it off from us. And then when they go low in us, they call it off from China. So it's a constant conveyor belt with uh, a two-stop process. China, fulfillment center, Amazon. And, and that's how they work it. it. It's quite simple when you break it down mm. like that. But yeah. it's hard to describe otherwise, in, unless yeah. I was kind of doing this and, and talking on screen. But yeah, yeah, um, no, good, good, yeah, good stuff. Okay, and then um, talk to us about the uh, you know the question that everyone's asking prices. It's probably your least favorite question right now for the last couple of years, but um, yeah, it's pretty wild, yeah, hey? It is. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, I mean, usually you can predict. I mean, I'm I'm quite quite proud of the fact that over the last 12 years and plus because I've not you know been in the business a lot longer than that as well but for, for 12 years I've been analyzing and, and predicting and, and I've got to say quite quite big-headedly <laughs> got almost everything bang on and even when other people haven't I called it differently and I was right oh this is just I've got so much wrong I've got everybody's getting everything wrong you just can't mm. predict you need a you need yeah. crystal ball I mean <sighs> When was it last last year we we when we saw the rates start to ease off a bit um where where even in the u k we we touched twenty thousand dollars for a forty mm. foot that started to come down again and then it was almost like if 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 you're british and and, and watching this at, at the moment you you'll get this but ant and deck kind of coming on a mic in the background going now block the Suez canal it it, it was almost like a <laughs> This has got to be a wind-up, surely. Yeah. Uh, and and just as you know, we we start to to make ground on rates, and and we see uh, a little bit of light at the end of the table. That happened, and then I'm like, mm. you know, just the the demand um, has has been messed up. Uh, as to when they're going to change, I, I don't know. Chinese New Year has always been mine and and many other freight forwarders and 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 you know seasoned importers' prediction to be that's got to be the that's got to be the circuit breaker that we need, and and it has to. Um, it, it's going to be a different rate after Chinese New Year. It has mm. to be. It, it, it yeah. cannot. It, it cannot stay where it is now because the demand will drop. You know, factories are going to. They should be empty. They all like to be empty going into Chinese New Year. That means that um, everyone's got their stock out before. They should mm. be, and therefore there is going to be so much demand for containers and, or, or vessel space after Chinese New Year. Not only that. But you've got, you know, average of 30 days lead time for new products. Mm. So you've, you've, you've got that to contend with. To um, there, there shouldn't be a, a big tap that turns straight on again, um, like a fire hydrant hose, mm. after Chinese New Year. It should, it should trickle, and that's what we, that's what we're really after to see a rate change. Um, but I think the question is, how much? How much mm. difference are we going to see between now and and post Chinese New Year? And I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to be. The big drop that I once 
predicted even mm. a month ago. I said, I can see this being, you know, instead of 16,000, I think it's going to be around 10,000. I, I don't mm. think it is. I don't think it's going to drop that low that quick. Um, I know it's a crystal ball question, but, you know, long term, should we, you know, not have any more global plagues or anything ridiculous? <laughs> like, do, do you see it like... Where do you see it stabilising? Is that too hard to predict? What What are your thoughts there? I, I, I mean, take it with a pinch of salt because, <laughs> yeah, it just it really is a um, an opinion, really. Mm. But mm. I, I previously said, and I would probably, you know, hang my hat on this still. I think the future, when it stabilises, I think the new rate levels, as opposed to pre-pandemic, the rate level that fluctuated throughout a year would be anything from $800 to $2,000 from a low and a high. You know, and that's painful for people to hear now, but I think the new bracket is going to be $6,000 to $10,000. Right. I think I think that is going to end up being the stable fluctuation between mm. a, full, a full load rate. Um, but I, I, I don't think we're going to get 6000 this year. Um, I've... I've I've been getting feedback from shipping lines this week. Some of them saying that they don't see that there's going to be a change since Chinese New Year next year. And I, again, I, I there's part of my head that just I don't know whether I'm refusing to believe that because I don't want to believe it, or mm. or whether they've got a point. What do they know that I don't? You know, they're on the front line. Are they saying that to, you know? manage expectations further down the line for a forwarder and then to, to, to importers like yourself mm. um, and, your, and your viewers. I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's going to be, I'd like to think it's not going to be another year of, mm. of you know, $16,000 to $20,000 a container. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm hoping for, I'm not, I think hoping for a miracle is, is no good. So yeah. being realistic, I would, I would recommend to anyone doing their sums to base that between a, a, a conservative 10k a container mm -hmm. being best scenario yeah. and 15 to 16 being the worst. And what does that work out? To, I know I'm putting you on the spot with numbers, but uh, in terms of like a per cubic meter, does you how do you guys work up prices? Obviously, there's lots of lots to factor in, but say if someone's reading the news and they're like, "Oh, container prices are 10k." Is there an easy way to work out? Well, that's roughly X amount per cubic meter if I'm doing LCL. Um, some, from our point of view, we we don't like to change the rates too much because it's it's it, we like to try and give some stability, and and that means sometimes we take the rough of the smooth. So sometimes we've we've not covered ourselves so well, and other times we'll make up for it. Um, from that can be one week to the next. So what we tried to do is, is give a month validity, which you can't do on full loads. So on, on LCL, we'll look at it, we'll take it as a viewer's, oh, okay, um, we'll, we'll use you again, Ben. So if you're using us uh, every week with, with a shipment um, or even once a month, it's not going to be the same time every month. It's not going to be the same rate every month. We, we know that um, we can kind of ride through week by week and fill a container. Um, so we'd average that out, um, and at the moment, you know, we another telltale sign actually of who's actually running their own service mm. is, is is whether you get a freight rate broken down in dollars, and then um, 
document charge, clearance charge, import security, you know, a long list of, of charges, yeah, yeah. or whether you get an all-in sterling rate. So we do add all-in to make it easier. Um, so say 349 pound a cubic meter, all-in from FOB to door delivered Amazon. Mm -hmm. That way it, it's easier for us. It's more efficient for us to work through and, and do invoicing, but it's actually much easier for, for importers to, to work out what their land cost is. You just you know, you know what your your packed total cubic meter size is, just times that by three four nine, mm. and if it's if it's under a minimum, um, add use the minimum, um, and if it's over that, just times it by the cube. Yeah, but yeah. but you can get a rough you know you can get a rough calculation because in that in, in that three four nine if you in a forty foot high cube you're going to get you can actually get 68 cube in, but you're never going to do that unless it was matchboxes. So we try to work off of 60 cube, do that by 349. Um, you, you know, you're, I don't know what I've done there, done that wrong, uh, 349. Yeah, you, you're, you, you've got a lot of charges there that are built into the UK charges as well. So you, yeah. so you can, you can kind of roughly work out what it is per cube. Yeah. If it yeah. if it shoots up to twenty, you know in line with that that ratio, it's going to go up. Yeah, and you guys, like you say, you have like a weekly uh, rate email that people can subscribe to. Um, yeah, so if if people are already on FOB terms um, or they they want to or should change to FOB if if they've got regular C freight, um, then it's just so much easier. So they they can even if they're using this at the moment. If someone's watching this and you think I can know that. Um, yeah, get in touch. Drop the guys a line on Amazon at westboundglobal.com. Mm -hmm. Say, hey, I'm 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 so and so. I'm already using you for you know, a few jobs in the past to mm -hmm. save me getting quotes. I'm I'm buying on FOB terms from China. Can I just go on a tariff? Mm -hmm. um, we'll load you on our tariff system, and you'll get automatic rate updates whenever it changes. So there'll be a validity point. So so now if you locked in, it will be valid to you know another ten days. It'll be the end yeah. of January. Mm -hmm. um, First of Feb, you get another update. Even if the rates haven't changed, they'll they'll automatically issue and, and get sent out. If mm -hmm. there is a change, uh, normally we validate it for the longest period that we can as a worst case. But the great thing about that is because it is linked to a, a tracker of our costs on the full load. If say on the fourth of Feb um, or on the seventh of Feb rates drop on the full load, those would automatically trigger out and adjust to your LCL rates. So you think, oh, that's good news. I've actually ordered something on the to leave on the fifteenth of Feb, but that means I'm going to get it, you know, two hundred pound cheaper now. Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Yeah, definitely recommend people signing up to that. Then, um, last question, just on prices, just so again, just trying to help people understand like the whole shipping climate. These prices obviously have gone crazy, and I know there's so much behind it. But if you could kind of like summarize the, um, you know, say in two minutes, you know, what is behind all of these huge price increases? Um, what, okay. what do you put it down to? Um, right, I'll try. I'll go for the brief version. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. it, imagine, um, it, it, imagine a hose pipe that's mm -hmm. actually connected itself together, and it's full of water. So it's just circular motion going around. That's the supply chain. Um, if we go back to March um, 20, when the pandemic hit, somebody's got that hose pipe and they've gone like that and made a kink in it. And now if you imagine what happens to that hose pipe, there's a bulge building up at the other side like this and nothing coming through. So this is destination UK, if you like. And you can apply this to the US, wherever you are. It's the same principle. 
So there's this big bulge that's building. That's all the containers and all the vessels that are building up. They've got nowhere to go. Everybody's shut down and cancelled their orders and postponed them. This bulge all of a sudden gets released when um, governments around the world said, okay, in June, we're going to start opening up. Panic. Right, get those orders back on everything. Go, 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 go. Yeah. Let go of that kink in the in, in the in the hose pipe, and all of a sudden this bulge, it's like a clot, like a blood clot. Mm. It it hasn't it hasn't disintegrated. It's moving around like this, so yeah. it's going to take ages and ages for that to get smaller and smaller and actually disintegrate back into a normal supply chain. So that what that bulge represents is um, all of the containers not moving uh, when the vessels weren't moving on shutdown. Then of course no empties were going back. So because there was no empty containers going back, everyone turned on that massive fire hydrant of a hose to say, orders, get them out, get them out of yeah, China, yeah. get them in. Every single empty container is full, gone. Uh, there's no more left. So then prices go up. Right, if you want this container, you've got to pay that. Shipping lines of all of them, all of a sudden gone, hmm, this is good. Um, we'll stick another thousand dollars on that. Oh my God, they're still buying it. Uh, go again, another thousand. Jesus, they're looking over their shoulder thinking, they're still paying it. So they've just kept on going and going and going and going. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, yeah, a, a 20,000 vessel was just about to come on board. No, hold that back. No, don't do that. Don't don't bring that into the loop because we're actually making money for once. And to be fair to them, they've lost money on that trade lane for years and years. But my God, this is a hell of a difference now. Uh, mm. That's uh, That's... That's in a nutshell what's happened, and that's still happening. So, again, going back to the Suez Canal, when when that when that bulge starts to ease off, Suez Canal blockage, it's here. Mm. Now again, no containers coming back, yeah. massive shortage, and it's just another revolving problem. Um, so it's going to take it's going to take quite a while, <coughs> excuse me, yeah, uh, for that to, to even out and get back to normal. If it if it ever does. <laughs> It will do. It will take long, uh, yeah, um, quite a long time. Uh, it's going to need, you know, next year. And this is the shipping lines reasoning for that comment earlier, saying that next year they see it easing up because that's when, um, you know, some some more super vessels are coming on board. Another twenty-two thousand container vessel mm -hmm. times ten. If that comes into the equation, then you're going to have shipping lines fighting over market share again, mm -hmm. and that is a good thing for for importers because that's yeah, when the rates yeah. get competitive. Yeah, can't wait for that. No, no, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you ever been on one of those? Yeah, I bet that's an experience. It's it's an eye opener. Yeah, yeah. huge, absolutely yeah. huge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. we we went on a on a tour on um, on one of the uh, I think it was the Maersk Emma. Okay. If you if if you look that up, it's one of the one of the largest super vessels. Mm. Uh, it was it was at London Gateway Port, so uh, when when our offices was was based down there uh, a couple of years ago, we we did a tour and it was mm. um, yeah it's huge, quite scary going up the top as well, very high. Yeah. yeah, I've seen a video of a guy on one of the cranes, you know, and he kind of like puts the camera down all the way down into the belly of it, and it's just insane. You know, you you think about yeah. the containers on top, but you forget that there's just as many underneath as well. It's just crazy. Yeah, we did that too. We went up uh, one of the key cranes and looked down yeah. on a on a glass bottom. That's uh, quite mm. quite a hairy moment, but yeah, very skilled, very very clever how they get those containers off. And yeah. it's no wonder. Um, you know, again, people probably don't realise it. It takes 24 hours to get your average, uh, you know 
average amount of uh, offloaded containers from a from a stop mm. on the ground. So yeah. even when you know people are looking and go, it's, it's in. When can I have my delivery? The vessel's yeah. in, but your container might be at the bottom. We don't know. It, it, that, that might be off in another day, and then it's got a customs yeah. clear. And yeah, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. No, that's awesome. Um, listen, I know you're you're super busy, so I don't want to take up loads of your time. But this has been for me massively insightful, and I know for people listening, you know, that may be a bit newer or just don't understand shipping as much. Just there's lots of insight there, and you know, hopefully a little bit of optimism about where we're going in the future. Um, I just thought it'd be cool just to finish with, I don't know if you have any, but just if you have any like crazy stories about shipping, you know, like containers lost at sea, something crazy that you've shipped. I, I don't know, something, some huge find. I just like some crazy story from shipping. Surely there'd be something over the years that you've experienced and thought that was absolutely mental. Uh it's quite a boring industry, you know, Ben. Not... <laughs> I'm struggling, I must admit. If there's nothing, that's fine, you know, but I just, uh, I don't know, maybe a, like a shipment of live animals or something, but... Uh, no, no never, 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 never live animals, no. Um, we've, yeah. we've, we're not... Um, we're not in that in that sector thankfully yeah. um, <laughs> no that's all good that's all good no no it's good i mean it's good to know in a way that there's no crazy crazy stories because it's uh you know it helps us all sleep at night a bit if there's nothing you know terrible happening out there it's good it's good yeah nothing too well, major i think the, most of what we've seen on, on the news anyway there's there's been a few um, vessel fires there's you know mm. there's been a, a you know the, the one the one opus that um a, a year or two ago that, that yeah, sunk, it does happen yeah yeah just you know get your insurance in place or use your forwarders yeah. insurance take it out all, all risk marine insurance because uh, it does happen how, how often would you get containers overboard um thankfully touchwood not not that often um but not not for us so the the, the chances of 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 one particular forward or, or an import experiencing it or even hearing about it is rare but mm. the actual the amount of time it does happen is a lot mm. you know at least at least once a week there's containers going overboard that's the stats. Serious. Wow. Yeah, yeah, loads. Absolutely, wow. yeah. Hundreds will probably be in the seabed somewhere. Wow. Um, across the Atlantic yeah. and the Pacific. Yeah, um, yeah so you, when you think about it, you, any any freight forwarder that you use, whether it's in China or, or UK or US uh, at your destination, never rely on um, the standard terms and conditions of your bill of lading. It doesn't mm -hmm. cover you. It, it covers you for 33 pence per kilo. Wow. So if you, if, yeah, if you, if you, times that by how, how many kilos and what you've actually mm -hmm. paid for it just yeah. always pay the insurance it's like yeah. minimum 35 pound oh, it's just it's a no-brainer yeah yeah for sure no i definitely recommend that definitely awesome oh, that's good to know um where can people find out more about westbound if they want to hear and, and get in touch um follow our social pages because we do release uh, some some tips and hopefully we'll do some more on our mm -hmm. um that's generally westbound global uh, mm -hmm. or westbound logistics depending on what mm -hmm. platform you're on um shouldn't be too hard to find us yeah, yeah. um our website is uh westboundglobal.com and on there we have actually got a specific amazon help section mm -hmm. um so we're always trying to add to that to tailor for um you know startups uh people that have, have not really um had too much experience in shipping before so we're we're hopefully going to be adding to that as well so keep an eye on that um, there's there's a couple of videos as well to, to talk through what to I mean it opens up on the page of what to expect when yeah. importing from China for the first time that's quite a that's quite yeah. a good one and it's only a couple of minutes long good yeah that sounds um, good and if and there's a quote request on there as well a lot of people email us which you can Amazon at 
westboundglobal.com um, or, or even, you know, I, I would say the best way to ensure that we've got all of the details that we need to say coming backwards and saying, oh, we need that, and oh, now we need that. There's actually a quote form on, online, um, yeah. a dedicated page. Soon we'll, we'll, we'll hopefully add um, some instant rates on there as well, so that's another one to keep an eye out for. Mm. Yeah, that'd be really helpful. Yeah, great. Awesome. Well, I highly recommend everyone checks that out and checks you guys. Uh, fantastic service. Always got brilliant service in Westbound. So um, thanks for coming on the show today, Ryan. Really appreciate right. your insight and uh, hopefully some better days and cheaper prices ahead. Yeah, hope so. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. What an episode that was with Brian Clark. Honestly, I love that guy. He's just such good insight and so down to earth and, uh, you know, super, super helpful. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, I would love it if you took just two minutes to leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify or subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Hit that like button. Let people know that there is this helpful content out there. The Brand Builder Show keeps moving on forward, baby. We've got some more great guests coming up for you in the weeks to come. So make sure you look out for those. And I'll see you in the next episode real soon.